Welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Come on in and grab a seat. Things are about to get spooky. I have an excellent show lined up for you guys this evening. A UFO-heavy show. I'm doing some preparation work for an upcoming event. I'll be part of a panel at this year's Alien Con in Los Angeles. The dates for that are June 21st through the 23rd. Now, we don't have a whole lot of information yet on when this is going to take place or, you know, anything like that. But I can tell you that I have a few awesome podcasts that are joining me on this panel. Hysteria 51, Mad Scientist Podcast, Blurry Photos, Stuff They Don't Want You to Know, and Somewhere in the Skies. So if this is something that interests you, be sure to check out the AlienCom webpage. You can find a link to that in tonight's show notes. Now, as I said, I have a great show lined up for you guys. So how about I stop talking and start playing? Our first call of the night comes to us from the state of Virginia. The following is Megan's call. Hello, this is Megan from Virginia. Um, When I was a little kid, I used to ride with my grandma and grandpa around back roads a lot, and they used to always tell me scary stories. I remember one story in particular my grandpa used to always tell me that fascinated me my whole life, and I spoke to him a few days ago and asked him if it was true. He said, yes, indeed, it is true, so I would like to call and tell you my grandfather's story. He was a teenager um, frying tobacco with some friends. He said it was four of them total down in a holler. And so when you're frying tobacco, you have to have other people with you because you can't stay in the barn when it's too much smoke for one person to stay in for a long time. And my my grandpa's in his late 60s now, just to give some time reference. So him and his three buddies, it was two people about his age and one older man, they um, were all standing out by the barn together. And they said all of a sudden they saw this little light, looked like maybe a lantern, and it just started coming straight towards them down the holler. And it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And he said when it got all the way down the holler to where they were standing, it stopped in front of each one of them, and it would move on to the next. Like it would stop, take a look at the person and then move to the next person he said it was a big glowing bright light sphere about the size of three basketballs 
and it was like tilting, like it was swirling around and around in its circle, if that makes any sense. And so it stopped and looked at all four of them, and he said he could feel the heat off of it. It was so close. And then it just all of a sudden took and went back in the direction it came in. And I've heard some stories on the podcast that sounded somewhat similar, so I thought you might enjoy hearing that. Love the podcast. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Megan. Now, at first glance, you may think that a phenomenon such as this would have a quick and easy explanation. Perhaps uh, ball lightning or something like that. But ball lightning is extremely rare, and from what I understand, there's not a lot that's known about the phenomenon altogether. So it's pretty much impossible for us to rule that out as an explanation, but where's the fun in that? Of course, the idea of spook lights came to mind uh, while listening to this call, but something else filled my head while I was listening to Megan's call, and I'd like to share that with you right now. The following clip comes courtesy of Sightings on the Sci-Fi Channel. I'm going to introduce you to some Foo Fighters. Pilots describe them as seemingly guided balls of light. Bob Leroy, a member of the 11th Airborne in New Guinea, remembers his first sighting of the mysterious craft. Suddenly I saw this ball about this size, that, that thing there about three feet in diameter, following this Japanese Betty bomber. And it started changing colors. I thought I'd seen a new secret weapon. I had to agree with the rest of the guys because that's what they all thought it was. They didn't know any better. And uh, nobody had ever heard of a UFO in 44. They were spotted around the world and became known as Foo Fighters, from the French word for fire. According to Haynes, who has investigated hundreds of newspaper and eyewitness accounts, the descriptions of the Foo Fighters are disturbingly alike. Pilots would report uh, glowing luminous balls of light that would come up from the ground, often orange or red, uh, anywhere from one foot to six feet in diameter, would accelerate up to their altitude and then level off very quickly and then stay beside the airplane. They would fly either singly or in pairs or in trio or four objects, oftentimes in rigid formation, which is important. And all of these flight dynamics point um, in one way or another, to a fairly high intelligent level of guidance. As usual, a link to this video can be found in the show notes at monstersamonguspodcast.com and click on the show notes tab. Now, obviously, I'm not suggesting that what Megan's family saw was Foo Fighters, but I thought the opportunity to share some information about the Foo Fighters was too good to pass up. Thank you again, Megan, for sharing this cool little story. Next on our list is a call from Georgia. The following is Tyler's installment. Hi, I'm Tyler from Northeast Georgia, and I've just recently discovered your podcast. I have a fairly long commute to college, and I enjoy listening to your show on my way to school. Anyway, I want to tell you a story that my grandfather told me a few years ago. One of his grandfathers was an overall hateful man who was no fun to be around. He was sort of the black sheep of the family since, unlike everyone else, he refused to go to church and participate in family activities. According to my grandfather, as he got older, he became more and more hateful and mean. He became very sick, and when everyone saw that he was not likely to make it, they decided to call their pastor to come and speak with him in order for him to get saved, which he wanted nothing to do with. 
After a heated exchange between the pastor and my great-great-grandfather, he apparently uttered the words, I guess I'm ready for that old dog to come and get me. And according to my grandfather, very loud barking was heard outside, and everyone walked over to the window to see a large black dog standing in the middle of the yard. And it was at that time my great-great-grandfather passed away. And that's my story. Anyway, I'm a huge fan of the show, and keep up the good work, and I'm, I look forward to listening to many more. Bye. Thank you, Tyler. For some reason, this story really resonates with me. I don't think I've heard it before, and I can't recall hearing something similar, but it feels so familiar. Now, perhaps it's because of the region. While Georgia is a good distance from my home state of Ohio, both areas are considered Appalachia, a region chock full of stories just like Tyler's. Now, I wish I could recall why this sounds so familiar, but until then, I'll just sit back and enjoy it. And thank you again, Tyler, for the great story. It certainly seems to fit some of that Appalachian folklore, doesn't it? Well, from a scary black dog to a strange flying man, the following is Cheyenne's call from the state of New Hampshire. Hi, my name is Cheyenne. I called before with a little ghost story, but this one's better. This is a possible UFO sighting. So this was August of 2016, and I was in Brooklyn, New York, hanging out with some friends that lived there. We were by Prospect Park, and it was one of my friend's birthdays, so we were having a cookout on the roof of their apartment building. They have roof access. And we were all sitting up on the roof, everyone you know, drinking, having a good time. I hadn't started drinking yet, or I probably had like a beer, but I'm not a heavy drinker generally. So we're all hanging out on the roof and I looked up at the crystal clear blue sky and there's like this weird thing flying above and it made no noise. Not like a helicopter or like an airplane would have like a hum or you'd be able to hear it going by even over the traffic of the city. Cause it's Brooklyn, it's not like Manhattan, it's not like Times Square or something. I looked up and it looks like a person sitting in like one of those egg chairs from the 60s. And I know that sounds so weird, but that's the only thing I can describe it as. It's like a bean-shaped chair almost. And it looked like there might have been a person in it, but I couldn't be positive. And I was staring at it for so long and I showed it to one of my friends and she was like, oh yeah, it's kind of weird. She just brushed it off. I took a couple pictures of it, and it's, it's pretty high in the sky, so it comes out really blurry and tiny in those pictures. But I also took a video of it, and you can see birds flying by. It's not a bird. It's going super slow, but it's wicked high up, and it's just like the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I have no idea if it was... I don't think it was a drone, because it was really high up, and you could still see it, and drones can only go so high before they lose connection to the receiver to the remote um, and it was it was big it was it looked like a person sitting in a chair and it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen this is Brooklyn August of 2016 a beautiful crystal clear day um, I do have the video and I do have a couple blurry not great pictures because it was flying and also really high in the sky I couldn't attach them to an email for whatever reason the video wouldn't let me send it that way, so I'm sending it to you through Facebook, but 
that's my weird possible UFO sighting in the middle of the day. It might maybe it was some I don't know, some other type of flying craft, but I don't know why it would be in Brooklyn. But we were near a park. I don't think I wholeheartedly do not believe that it was some sort of drone. I don't know what it is. I'll send you the pictures and videos and you let me know what you think. But if anyone has any ideas, let me know. You're doing awesome. I love the podcast. I listen to it every day at work. It's what keeps me sane while I'm just typing numbers into spreadsheets. All right. Have a good night. Great job. Thank you, Cheyenne. I will share a few of those photos in the show notes for tonight's episode. I'm working on the video, but like Cheyenne, I'm having issues with the file. Not real sure what's going on there. Now, as crazy as this report may seem on the surface, it is par for the course with a lot of these flying humanoid cases. Now, one might be surprised to hear that this sighting took place over one of the most populated cities on the planet, New York City. But what if I told you that the second largest city in the country also has several reports of this phenomenon? L.A. and the greater Los Angeles area has had dozens of reports of flying creatures or flying humanoids over the past 20 or so years. Some of these sightings have even been caught on camera. The following clip from the History Channel's program, Monster Quest, details one of those encounters. In 2004, Ed Sherwood witnessed an airborne human form above the streets of Santa Monica, California. I noticed a dark object, a bulky looking object flying towards us but making no sound. At first I thought it was a helicopter, but at the distance that it would have been, I should have heard something. Sherwood began to videotape this strange object. It looked oddly humanoid, it looked large, uh, about seven feet perhaps in height, um, three to four feet wide, maybe a foot deep, um, bulky, uh, dark slate gray in color, and it was just coming straight towards us. He believed that what he saw was not a known object, either natural or man-made. It didn't sway, it didn't bob, uh, it didn't act like uh, tethered balloons or, or a parade character that had got loose. Uh, inflatable object, it never seemed to be uh, lighter than air. I totally felt that it was there, aware that I was there. That clip was from episode 55, Terror in the Sky. Now, of course, I don't have a clue what these things actually are. Are they elaborate hoaxes performed with helium balloons? Or perhaps there's some inventor out there that came up with some sort of jetpack device that allows him to fly through the air. Or more realistically, is this some sort of government experiment? And of course, that leaves us with our last option, something paranormal. Whatever it is, it's certainly interesting. And if you find yourself as one of the witnesses of this strange phenomenon, I can imagine it's probably fairly terrifying. Thank you again, Cheyenne, for taking the time to share your story. Now, before I move on to the next call of the evening, I received a call a couple months ago from a guy in Fayetteville, Arkansas, about an old car and a couple boxer dogs. If you're that caller, do me a favor and call in again. Half of the call was perfect. The other half was so distorted I could barely make out any of the information. But from what I gathered from the story, it's certainly one I want to play soon. So if you're listening to this, please give me a call back. And if you have a story you'd like to share, you can also call by hitting up the hotline at 
1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or you can hit the Report Your Sightings tab on the website, or you can email us at monstersamonguspodcast at gmail.com. So if you're sitting on an awesome story, please call that in today. Now moving right along here, my next call comes to us from my current state of California. The following is Danny's call about what I can only assume is a doppelganger. Hi Derek, this is uh, Danny from California. Just giving you guys a call again. Last time I talked to you, I was about a Ouija board a few seasons ago. Over the last, I don't know, six months, you know, things things pop up that you think are strange and were never explained, and this is a perfect platform for it. So thanks so much for all your hard work. Um, when I was in seventh grade, uh, the summertime, and my family went on a vacation to the Hoover Dam. We were like in the in the Las Vegas area, stayed in Sam's Town, but but one of the days we actually drove to Hoover Dam. Uh, this was 1999, so it was pre-9-11 when they would still do tours of the Hoover Dam, like actually inside the dam. And if anyone's ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. Afterwards, they'd probably just show you the exterior. Anyway, I was with my family, and we were down in like the turbine area of the dam. And uh, so there's five of us. There's my mom, my dad, uh, my brother, and my sister. And we look across, and we see... One of my sisters, my sister's best friend, not one of, at the time it was her best friend, and her best friend's mom and uh, dad. And they're sitting like at like a bench next to these turbines, and we wave to them, and they wave back, and we're like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy, we're seeing you here. Um, but also, like, they're on a, on a different tour, so we're crossing paths at the same time, so we don't have a lot of time to talk to them. But we for sure acknowledge each other and go about our day. About a week later, we are back in California and my mom says, did you talk to your friend about like seeing her there? Isn't that crazy? And my sister says, no, like I I brought it up to her, but she swears that they weren't there. Her parents swear that they weren't there that they didn't see us, that they weren't even in the Nevada area. And, you know, of course, we're shocked. We don't know what to think about that. It's something that's stuck with me for over close to 15 years now, I guess. More than anything, I didn't know how to explain that. I just kind of like, oh, that's that's really strange. Until I started listening to the show and started hearing about time slips. I don't know if this would constitute, you know, for that. But uh, just a really interesting, strange thing that's always stuck with me. And I didn't know if you or any of the listeners had uh, a similar experience or could explain what it was that we experienced way back then in, uh, in Nevada. Anyway, thought I'd share that and looking forward to hearing any sort of responses. Take care. Bye. Thank you, Danny. Now, I get a lot of these doppelganger stories. And quite frankly, I'm not sure what to make of them. I suppose, with nearly 8 billion people on this planet, it's almost guaranteed that there's someone else out there that looks exactly like you. But the probability of those two people being in the same place at the same time are near astronomical. Never mind an entire family. Now, Danny had mentioned something about a time slip. In my personal opinion, this isn't something that I would categorize as a time slip. In order for that to happen, I think we would need his friend to also see him at a different period of time, if that makes any sense. Either way, the story was fascinating, so thank you very much, Danny, for taking the time to share it. 
Now, before we dive any deeper, let me hit up a couple of these announcements. I have new merchandise in the shop. I have a new shirt design, I have magnets, and I'm looking at getting some grocery totes and maybe a couple other items. And I have a new t-shirt design coming up. Uh, and this one I'm super excited about. I'm hoping to have that one printed and out sometime in mid-March, something like that. So keep your eyes open for that. Uh, I think a lot of you guys are really going to like this. And for you Patreon subscribers, I recently released a new episode featuring my brother, whom was with me when we witnessed this alien black cat back in the late 80s. We basically compare the two stories and discuss a few options of what we think it could be. It's something that I'm calling a deep dive. So each month I'm going to try to focus on a past call and actually do a one-on-one interview with the witness and try to get further details on you know what actually took place that place in that time. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, head over to patreon.com and search for Monsters Among Us podcast. $4 a month gets you access to both of the bonus episodes for each month. And next week's episode will be News of February. So I'm going to cover some obscure paranormal news from the month of February. And lastly, I haven't said it in a while, but if you're that social media type, why don't you head over to Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and follow the show. And if you're on Facebook, go ahead and join the group as well. I think that's where most of the action takes place anyway. And lastly, I'm getting ready to start on everyone's bricks here in the new studio. So in the next week or so, I'm going to start sending some pictures out. But again, there's like 30 some odd people, so this is going to take me a little while. Please have some patience and I'll get these all done by probably start of summer. And on that note, let's move on to the next story. Staying in the state of California... The following is Jay's call. Hey there, Derek. Jay from California. Uh, I've called the show once before regarding a uh, paranormal uh, ghostly experience at my grandmother's house, but today I wanted to share with you a uh, UFO and encounter that I had probably six years ago now, so I'd be about 14. And it was uh, up in Northern California, Northeastern California, in Las Volcanic National Park. There had been a concert in the park across from my family's cabin. So we were over there, we were listening to some music and stuff like that. It was myself and my cousin and his friend and my family. And uh, I was the youngest one there. We were listening to the music and it was a really uh, pretty clear night. Not too cold, not too warm, just right out, you know, I was wearing a t-shirt and felt pretty comfortable out. But it was getting pretty late, probably around 11 o'clock, 11.30 at night. You know, I was getting kind of tired, so I started walking back towards my cabin, which is not very far from this recreation area where the concert was being held. And so as I started walking home, it gets much darker as I was getting away from the light concert and there are no uh, street lights on my way uh, walking home so I had a flashlight and I was walking home and you know all of a sudden it got really bright where I was standing and you know I thought that there originally that you know that there was a car behind me so I you know I looked behind me and there was no car and there was the street that I was walking down there's a cross street coming up and I didn't see any cars on the cross street. And so I looked up in the air. There was these 
these five bright white lights above me, probably about 100 yards or so above my head. And they were formed in the shape of a V, one light uh, in the front, and then lights to the side of it, two more lights on each side of the, uh, the front light, and it was forming this V shape. And, you know, I thought originally that it might have been an airplane, but I, I was standing at this point. I, I wasn't moving anymore, and this object was hovering above me. I, I, I couldn't for the life of me tell what it was, and so I, I turned behind me to see if you know, my cousin or his friend were following me home, and they weren't anywhere near me. And the next time I looked up, that this thing had started slowly moving away, and then just as, as quick as like a snap of the finger, uh, zoomed off into the night sky. That was the closest thing that I really had to any sort of UFO experience. And as, you know, after talking with my one of my uncles who has had a similar experience, he sort of verified uh, my encounter as a legitimate UFO experience. And uh, he, he's not had multiple experiences. So uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to give you a call and leave you this story. Thanks for the podcast and thanks to Addy for the Facebook page. And, all right. Bye now. Thank you, Jay. This sounds like the classic black triangle or wedge-shaped UFO. These things have been seen all over, but most notably in Belgium, southern Illinois, and Phoenix, Arizona, and a good majority of those sightings coming from the late 90s and early 2000s. Now, some speculate that the craft is an experimental blimp piloted by the U.S. military. Still others claim more dubious origins. Either way, I don't think Jay is alone in witnessing these strange things. In fact, I have another call featuring something similar near the end of the program. Thank you again, Jay, for taking the time to call. If you're looking for more information, I highly recommend Googling black triangles or wedge UFOs. Our next call of the evening is a bit on the disturbing side. So if you have children listening, I highly suggest you filter this one before you allow them to listen. That said, the following call was submitted anonymously from the state of Pennsylvania. Hey, big fan of the show. So, uh, this happened about 10 years ago, uh, in Philadelphia. I was going to University of the Arts, staying around the corner in the Arts Tower, a huge apartment building, pretty run down, mostly elderly shut ins, uh, a lot of prostitutes. A uh, really bizarre living situation. I had a tiny, decrepit studio apartment I was overpaying for. And, uh, yeah, it was already kind of uncomfortable living there. Elevators never really worked, you know. I wouldn't say spooky, but just kind of dingy. But uh, one morning, uh, I wake up, and all throughout my apartment, there is just this smell that, the best I could describe it, was wet dog and rotting hamburger. Uh, I didn't go to class that day. I spent the entire day crawling around on my hands and knees, trying to find like a dead rat or like, I don't know, a piece of food that might have fallen under something or behind something and was giving off that just disgusting odor. 
and I found nothing. So by the end of that week, I had probably invested, I don't know, a hundred bucks in air freshener, carpet deodorizer, scented candles, and uh, it kind of covered up the smell. I just started to learn to live with it, and at the end of that week, I woke up and the smell was gone. I was like, that's fantastic. I go to leave for class, open my door, and the smell hits me like a brick wall, just ten times as bad as it was, and I see a maintenance man going up and down the hallway spreading carpet deodorizer, and I'm like, dude, what the hell is that? And he just shrugs at me. So, next couple days, this smell just intensifies, like, I can't stand it, like, it's seeping back into my room, and, uh, again, I have a studio apartment, it has a tiny bathroom, that's all subway tile, and uh, this is kind of off-color, but whenever I'd have friends over, crammed in that little place, they would refer to my shower as the uh, rape shower, because it looked like a prison shower would, just very industrial looking, big subway tile, dark, big, yeah, so off color joke, but just to give you an idea of the shower, so my uh, drop ceiling would kind of like flutter and this and that, you know, old building and drafty, I always chalked it up to that, never thought anything else about it, but the one night I wake up, I don't know why I woke up, but I go to take a piss and through the light um, coming in from the Doubletree Hotel through my windows, when I opened the door to my bathroom, I can kind of make out someone slumped in, uh, Christ, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about this, in my shower cell. And I just immediately take a couple steps back, flip on the lights when I, you know, get up the uh, courage to poke my head back in there. There's nothing in the bathroom. So, you know, I just chalked it up to, I don't know, sleep, still being half asleep. And I'm not even sure the two things are linked. But after three weeks of that smell floating through the hallway, they finally find my neighbor slumped in his bathtub, uh, rotting. He had died of heart failure. Uh, He was one of these recluses, even though he was younger I think he was in his like late 40s and yeah they uh, had to pretty much get him out with a shop vac just kind of stewing in the bathtub so yeah that's my story I'm not sure if the two were linked but the timing is suspect and side note I told that story to my grandfather who was a war medic and he gripped my knee and said Sam you'll never forget that smell. Uh, thanks. Keep up the great work. That's my story. Thank you, caller. This is another one of those cases that's either a huge coincidence or, simply put, paranormal in nature. Although, I do wonder why the ghost of a man, if that is in fact what we're dealing with here, visited our caller. He certainly made it seem as though the two weren't friends or even acquaintances. Why did he think that visiting him would result in his body being discovered? If what our caller was dealing with was in fact the spirit of this unfortunate man, I hope that he finds rest. 
thank you again, caller, for taking the time to share. And that brings us to our final call of the evening. Now, sometimes I get calls that are so out there that they're instantly labeled into one of two categories, over-the-top exaggeration or terrifying experience. And truth be told, the difference typically comes down to the inflection and sound in the caller's voice. Tonight's final story is no different. Now, as you're listening to tonight's final story, pay close attention to Jason's voice. If that's not terror, then I don't know what it is. That said, the final call of the evening comes to us from Jason in the state of Arkansas. Uh, yeah. My name is Jason. I've got a weird story. I'm trying to understand. I can't wrap my mind around it. 40 years old. I live in northwest Arkansas. I'm a lineman, and I do a lot of work at night. So here's the deal. I had drove out to do night work from my home in Bella Vista, Arkansas, to Harrison, Arkansas. The job I was supposed to do started at midnight. So I get over there get everything set up, get the job done, call our network operations center once everything's set up and good to go, close the ticket out. At that time, it is 1.30 in the morning. Now, let me tell you, this was back, this was March 22nd of this year, 2018. Um, the weather that night, uh, I've done some research, it was a waxing crescent moon, 60 degree average temperature all night long with a 46% relative humidity and uh, the wind was southerly 10 miles an hour average all night long. So anyway, I finished the job up at 1.30 a.m., closed the ticket. I'm gonna head home, no big deal. Um, at that time, it is at 1.30 a.m. That is an hour and 54 minute drive from my house. It's just two hours back home. So that should have put me again back home about 3.30. So I'll leave, I'm heading back. I get to the next town, which is called Berryville. I stopped at the little gas station that's open 24 hours to get a cup of coffee. I did look at the clock at that point and it was about 2.15. So I sip my coffee, heading home, and I get on a long stretch of road that's wide open. They had just repaved it. Everything's good. There's no traffic out there. I'm in the middle of nowhere in the country. Four lane highway. And I have my window down. I'm driving on my bucket truck. And I saw something in the corner of my eye on the driver's side. So I looked out my window and there is a man beside me without a shirt on completely hairless. All I can see is from the waist up, no shirt on, completely bald, no facial hair, white male. Eh, I would say late 40s, mid to late 40s. Right trucking along beside me. He's not running, his arms aren't in motion, but he's right there beside me. So I look ahead, I'm like, what did I just see? Okay, this is crazy. So, I glance back, and when I glance back, he slowly turns in like the most fluid motion and looks directly at me eye to eye. 
and my heart starts racing and it scares the crap out of me. So, you know, I look forward, I start trying to roll up my window, I'm doing 60 miles an hour down the road, and I see him, boom. He looks away from me, looks dead ahead, and disappears into the darkness. He outran me, and I'm doing 60 miles an hour in a bucket truck going down the road. Disappeared into the darkness. I'm like, whoa, okay, something's going on here. I don't do drugs. It's nothing like that. This is completely weird, and it has haunted me to this day. But it continues. <laughs> I'm driving on down the road. I'm uh, 20 minutes away from Eureka Springs. That's the next town. So I get there. I don't look at the clock, but I should have been around there, right around 2.30, 2.35, and uh, get through Eureka Springs. Now I'm on the outskirts of town. It's in the mountains. It's really mountainous all the way back to my home in Bella Vista. About 10 minutes outside of Eureka Springs, I see off the right-hand side the most illuminescent, bright LED triangle shape setting on the right-hand side of the road over in the grass. It's approximately four foot tall, four or five foot tall, and about the same in width. It's a triangle. And I glance at it, and it's the brightest light I've ever seen. But there was no haze around it. It was clearly defined. And all at once, it shoots directly toward my truck. And whenever it gets right in front of me where the boom goes out for my bucket over the hood, it stops and shoots straight up and it makes the loudest sonic boom. It rattled my whole truck and boom, gone. So I'm freaked out at this point. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. I just want to get home. I'm tired, it's been a long night. So that should have been right around 2.30 in the morning. Okay, it's another one hour drive from Eureka Springs on over to Bella Vista. That would put me home about 3.30. So I continue on. Nothing else abnormal happens. I get home. I walk in the house. And my wife is up. And that's not normal. She shouldn't be up at this time. This would be like 3.30 in the morning. But she's up with my daughter making coffee. And I'm like, hey, it was a long night. How are you doing, babe? And I look at the clock, and it's 6.30 in the morning, man. How did I lose three hours' time? I can't explain this. It freaks me out. It gives me goosebumps. I don't know. I don't know. The guy, possibly a skinwalker, I've tried to do the research on it, but there's never been much Navajo anything over here that I know of. I know there's a lot of Satanism goes on around Eureka Springs. But how in the world would that be tied to a triangle, almost like a, I don't know, a UFO or something? It had to have been. I don't know. I don't know how these things work together. I don't know what's going on, but it's freaked me out and it's haunted me. A little later, a couple of weeks later, I get up one morning to go to work. 
I'll walk in the living room and the blinds are open. We have great big picture windows. You can see out the back of my house over the, over the woods. There's a big ravine behind me. And I see this man standing there. The same man that I saw look at me out of eye, looking through my window, staring at me. Here's the thing. The window he's standing there staring at me through is on the second level of our house and there's no platform. It's about a 12 foot drop from that window down to the ground. There's nothing you could stand on. I can't explain it. It couldn't have been a reflection. I'm a hairy man. <laughs> I've got a beard, everything. This bald faced guy is standing there staring at me again. The bald head, chest still, no hair, standing in there staring at me. If you have any kind of idea or know anybody that could explain this or help me understand what is going on, I would appreciate it. It's it's just disturbing, man, and I don't know how to, I don't know. I've never really had anything like that happen, and I'm trying to find answers. And I'm, I'm a smart guy. I've done the research. I cannot explain it. So, anyway, thanks for your podcast, man. I really appreciate look, listening to all of them. I just found them here recently and uh, been binge listening to them when I'm out working. So, if you could come up with any answers, man, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Now, before we start, I want to state that, in my opinion, it sounds like Jason is genuinely concerned about what happened to him that evening. I believe him when he says he doesn't know what happened and that he wants the truth. As longtime listeners may remember, this sort of experience has been reported before. To refresh your memory, the following story was submitted by Alan in Arizona, and this clip was pulled from Season 4, Episode 15. Hi, Derek. This is Alan in Mesa, Arizona again. This event happened in approximately 1990 on the San Carlos Indian Reservation in southeast Arizona. It was late at night. I had been to those car races in Globe and was returning home, driving down uh, US 70 to Safford when it was about 2 o'clock in the morning. I was fairly tired. I was only 17 years old, and I was driving along, and it started to slow down because I was getting sleepy. I just passed through the town of Peridot, and I don't know. I had probably slowed down to about 40, 45 miles an hour. As I was driving along, I heard a tapping on the side window of my truck. And not thinking about it, I was concentrating on the road. Uh, It tapped again, and then a bang. And I looked over, and there was, seemed to be a person running next to me on the road. So it kind of freaked me out. dropped her down the third gear and took off, got down the road a few more miles, kind of woke up by now, and as I went through the small town of Bylas, 
got past there, started getting sleepy again. So I began slowing down, and again, there was a tapping on my window and then a bang. Looked over, and it was the same figure running next to me. It was a tall, pale man with red stripes painted on his body, and he was keeping pace with me, like I said, at about 40, 45 miles an hour. So I, again, switched gears and took off. With that being said, it I was driving through the San Carlos Indian Reservation, which is an Apache reservation, to reference Caitlin's story in the episode. And I got home, kind of freaked out, now wide awake. It's right around 2, 2.30 now in the morning. And... Talked to my dad, didn't really say anything to him about the situation, just that I got in late. Fast forward to 1993, I'm stationed in 29 Palms, California with the Marines and talking with my roommate. Tell him the same story, and he goes absolutely ghost white. And I said, What's wrong, Johnny? He had a roommate earlier that lived in Lordsburg, New Mexico, that drove the same route that I drove when he went home on leave and had the exact same experience only two years previous to that. So that would be 1991. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye. As you can hear, the similarities are staggering. Now for the strange, glowing object. Given the description that Jason gave, I can say with a good bit of certainty that whatever it was, was not a vehicle from our military. It simply doesn't fit the description of anything I've seen or even heard of. So if this is in fact military, it is a highly secret project. Now the mention of missing time only complicates this subject further. So here's where I ask you guys for help. If anyone out there listening happens to have any insight on this case... We welcome your opinion. Perhaps you were also a witness to something strange like this, or maybe it's simply a reference you read in the book. Either way, we're looking for information, so if you happen to know any, let us know. Now, Jason, I'm sorry that I couldn't have been more help with this. But as I always say, the fact that you're not the only one that's seen something like this has got to ease the nerves a bit. That said, I can completely understand how knowing something like this exists and remains unexplained can eat away at a person. Thank you again, Jason, for taking the time to share your encounter. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Warren Pon Abbott, Tony Bell, and Addie Lloyd. All audio used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. And music was provided by Mayu and Coag Music. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.
thank you for sticking around for the bonus content. I have one story to share with you this evening, and it is Alicia's. Hello. I have a story to tell that I really want to share. This is not scary, but more of a comforting story. So I was about 7 or 8 years old. It was maybe 8 or 9 p.m. when I was laying in bed trying to sleep. I couldn't fall asleep, so I decided to stare at the wall next to my bed. I honestly don't remember if it was cold or warm in the room or anything like that. As I was staring at my wall, what appeared to be a yellow glowing angel popped right out in front of my eyes. I knew it was an angel because as she popped out, she was singing this very high note that sounded so beautiful. I fell into a deep sleep afterward and dreamt of that angel. In my dream, she was wearing a long white dress and a crown, and that's all I really vividly remember. This is something that will always stick with me. I can still see it as clearly today as the day it happened. And I always get the chills because I know what I saw with my own eyes. My sister wanted to get matching tattoos with me, and I said, sure, and let her pick out whatever we wanted. She never really knew what happened to me, but she sent me a picture of angel wings. I said that was perfect, and we got matching angel wing tattoos. I really love listening to your podcast. I hope you share my story and would love to hear about more angel sightings. Thank you, Alicia. Well, thank you, Alicia. This experience may fall in line with the uh, other stories, such as the chimpanzee and overalls that visited the child in the bedroom. I I often wonder if whatever is actually visiting these kids displays themselves differently than they actually are. In other words, instead of a gruesome alien or a terrifying ghost, they show up as an angel or a monkey or a childhood cartoon character. Perhaps this is done to ease the child, or perhaps it's more of a trickster element. Either way, I find it almost as creepy as the scary things that people report seeing. So thank you, Alicia, for taking the time to share your story. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a good night. It all starts with an invitation to experience Lexus. To start the ignition. To feel confident. To be connected to everything. It starts as an invitation to drive a Lexus vehicle. But it becomes a dynamic experience. The Invitation to Lexus sales event. Your invitation is always open. But the offers only last through March 31st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Click the banner to discover more.